Welcome to the Inquisitive VC. Today I'm speaking to Noah Gaynor. Noah is the co-founder of Parcel, a Zillow for the Metaverse, a Metaverse native platform building key infrastructure for the needs of virtual real estate users, builders, property managers, investors, and other service providers. We talk about his journey from traditional finance to crypto, Parcel, fundraising, the future of virtual real estate, Meta, and more. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Cool. So great to have you on, Noah. Keen to start with your journey from TradFi to crypto. I think that's uh, super interesting how you how you kind of got to crypto. So would love to hear that. Yeah, sure. And again, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, this did uh, take a while to, to get set up finally, but I'm glad to make the connection and um, appreciate uh, yeah you featuring me and, and Parcel on the show. So my journey... I became very interested in financial markets really in college and started learning about stocks and, and derivatives. And I think I always had a very entrepreneurial spirit um, and sort of liked the idea of, you know, maybe being self-sufficient or being able to uh, invest, uh, you know, for a living and not be relying on maybe like a large institution, which I guess is kind of in the spirit of blockchain. Uh, so right after college, I became a proprietary trader, which is basically trading, you know, for uh, for a firm, you know, the firm's, firm's own pool of capital. It's not like trading on behalf of a client or um, at another like large institution. Uh, that job proved to be extremely difficult and stressful, <laughs> and uh, it was very entrepreneurial. Like you, you definitely only. Uh, ate what you killed, but uh, it wasn't sustainable for me at that time. So I then transitioned into um, more of like a corporate role. I was an internal consultant in the brokerage industry, uh, but still on the side, you know, I was like very interested in investing and trading, followed the markets really closely and, you know, thought about all kinds of side hustles and, and other ideas. Um, which could ultimately make me kind of like independent uh, and, and have some you know, career freedom. So my first exposure to Bitcoin was like 2013 uh, when it started making the news like TechCrunch and I dove in a little bit. I kind of understood that like there's something interesting there. Uh, it wasn't entirely clear what it was, if it was a currency, if it was a technology, like I didn't fully wrap my head around uh, what blockchain was at that time. And then I started to look into custody solutions. There weren't many at the time. There was, you know, one called Mt. Gox, uh, which seemed to be the popular one. And very, very luckily before uh, I put any, any money to there, that hack happened. I mean, lucky for me, it's unfortunate for yeah. participants, <laughs> holders on Mt. Gox. So, you know, I think the, the natural thing at that point was just step away. And I kind of forgot about it until early 2017. Uh, I think it was rallying during consensus week uh, here in New York. And a coworker came up to me and asked me if I had heard of something called XRP. Uh, and that completely sent me down the rabbit hole. Obviously, I learned you know, what Ripple is all about. But that, that just sent me down the rabbit hole of blockchain altogether and learned about Ethereum and everything else out there. So that was kind of like a really big turning point um, because obviously it was interesting as an investment, 
but I kind of saw the technology as being so much more pervasive and had so many bigger applications and really disruptive to the whole financial system uh, as we know it. So at that point, I, you know, the, the switch flipped and I went all in on crypto, like financially and just in terms of, you know, where I wanted to go with my career. That's kind of how I, that was like my first, my first uh, you know, foray into crypto. And uh, then beyond that, yeah, I, I, uh, I left the corporate world. I traveled a little bit. I ended up in Tel Aviv, Israel, um, worked there in the crypto industry for about eight months um, and, and like more of an advisory capacity, like consulting, blockchain startups, uh, doing fundraising ICOs, you know, token design, things like that. I was sort of there um, as the bear market was kind of, you know, getting, you know, as, as the, the, you know, it was more like the bust part of, of the market after the boom. So it wasn't the most exciting time to be there, but you know, I was still very long-term bullish on the fundamentals. And then um, I came back to New York to get my MBA at Cornell Tech where I actually ultimately met my current co-founder, Ian, um, in our MBA program. Oh, very cool. It, it's great how many people I've met that have uh, fallen down the crypto rabbit hole, um, starting with XRP. So that's pretty interesting. <laughs> nice. Um, but that's great to hear. Um, what did, I guess, following that journey, um, which was super interesting, how did you go down the path of, of deciding you wanted to start a, a company in the crypto web three space? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you know, like obviously, you know, investing really interests me. Uh, and even like, a, you know, advisory is really interesting because you got to sort of like work with founders and investors and have like a, a good purview. Uh, I think at the end of the day, like I just, I felt that Web3 enables everyone to do everything. So you can be an investor and a trader and an advisor and also a builder. And I just felt like, yeah, I can manage my you know personal portfolio, maybe not as actively as if I was doing it full time, but I can still do that. Plus I can build and I can build great, you know, consumer products with great user interfaces. And it was just sort of like a burning desire, just kind of like a screaming need that there's so much poor user interface in Web3. I don't even want to say like it's poor, it just like hasn't even been addressed to begin with, which I think happens, you know, in the beginning of most technologies. Um, so it just seemed like there was just enough need for like great, more great products to be built. Um, that, that's really what I wanted to do. And it, it also allows you to bring in some more of like the creative art, artistic and like psychological side of things beyond, um, I guess, you know, purely uh, trading. Yeah, right, no, I hear you. And so let's talk about Parcel a little bit. How did you and Ian come up with, with the idea and, and what exactly is Parcel? Yeah, so Ian and I actually both, we, we started different 
uh, companies coming out of uh, grad school at Cornell Tech. There was like a startup incubator there. So he went the direction of gaming, kind of like a Web2 gaming platform. It wasn't uh, crypto native. And I went more of the DeFi payment space. I was working on a project that um, was basically non-custodial fiat on and off ramps. So a way to connect like your MetaMask wallet to your bank account without having to go through a large centralized exchange. And after we had both been working on these companies for about a year and neither of them were like really blowing up at that point. And, and Ian on his own started going down the rabbit hole for NFTs. He's, you know, he's very creative. He's done like a lot of like graphic design and other kinds of art. So he started minting his own NFTs and really fell down the hole. And then we just started having like more and more frequent brainstorms and chats and mostly just as friends. But then we started uh, brainstorming like other project ideas with another one of our classmates as well. And one day we had only been doing it for a few weeks. And one day Ian was like, oh, I'm, you know, I've been trying to buy land in this game Ember Sword. It's really difficult. There's not a lot of information out there. Everything's fragmented. OpenSea is not um, giving me everything that I need. You know, what if, what if there was a need for like a land aggregator? And Ian, to his credit, it was really his idea. He mocked up like basically what it could look like, made a very crude MVP and threw it on Reddit on r slash Decentraland. And it was the top post of the day. And we're like, wow, we actually might have something here. So we actually just started sprinting on it and we're like, okay, let's give this. We were both like pretty exhausted from our last startups. So like, all right, we're gonna give Give this, you know, two weeks, see if it really has legs. Um, and then if it has legs, we'll give it another two weeks, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we ended up, yeah, having enough momentum that uh, we were able to shift to it full time. And um, yeah, we've been full time on it ever since. And Parcel, the, the grand vision of Parcel, you know, so we've, right now we're, we're an aggregator of, virtual real estate and we just released our own marketplace for virtual real estate users and we have price estimates and you know like a portfolio view so right now we are addressing sort of those low-hanging fruit um ux things like yeah we have you know the interactive maps so you can sort of see the listings next to the map right you can see how much that parcel may be worth um, much better experience for buyers and sellers versus the generalist marketplaces the grand vision is really much greater and the marketplace is just the first step. So the grand vision is to be, you know, a one-stop shop for virtual real estate users of all kinds. You know, so that's of course the buyers and sellers and brokers and agents in the metaverse, but also, you know, architects and property managers and, you know, plumbers and electricians, like whatever the version of that is in the metaverse, you know, they're gonna need resources as well. And then of course, like communities, all the NFT and, and other communities too that are, that are gonna want a presence in the metaverse. So whatever they, those users may need, whether it's like financial services, if you wanna get a mortgage on your virtual home, or if you wanna Airbnb out your, your virtual condo, or if you're a landowner who wants to build uh, his or her dream home and you need an architect, like 
will help make that match as well. Got it. And would love to hear your thoughts on, I guess, the future of, of virtual real estate and, and where you see that going and, and how you think it will play out. Yeah. So, you know, we, we view a parcel, we view virtual real estate right now, much like physical real estate um, in, in our approach and our like philosophy around it. So, you know, we think it is fundamental to the existence of VR virtual worlds, um, possibly some AR virtual worlds as well. It's kind of, you know, this, it's, it's the foundation in which everything else, everything will need to be like built on top of. And the way to price it right now, we think, you know, is pretty similar to the physical world. It's like location, are you near anything interesting? Are you near water? Are you near roads? You know, can you, like, is there anything interesting about your parcel? Can you, and then also like what's on top of it? Is there a unique piece of architecture or art on top of it? Do you have some, do you have a billboard that could generate revenue for you? Um, so like right now, I think it's, it's very much parallel to the physical world. In the future, there will be many new things, many new inventions and applications that might change that. But those, most of those have not been invented yet. So I think this is kind of the best, the best we can do at the moment. But, um, you know, yeah, we view it as, absolutely fundamental NFTs for, right, the metaverse, which is the evolution of the internet. It will be, I think, we won't say internet anymore. We probably won't even say metaverse anymore. It'll kind of just be assumed that you're, that you're always plugged in. Um, and um, yeah, and, and overall, you know, we, we view this whole class as like utility NFTs. Like these are NFTs that can earn some kind of passive income or yield for you, or, you know, they can, they can go to work for you. And that particularly gets us really excited um, compared to like a static piece of art or, you know, static image NFT that might not be as useful. Yeah, for sure. Have, have you guys come up with an, I guess, an easy explanation for people not in crypto or, or Web3 to understand virtual real estate and the metaverse in, in an easy way? That's a great question. So basically, I think the thing that clicks with people the best, I, I usually start by saying like, okay, picture like a video game, you know, you've seen a million before where you have an avatar running around in some kind of virtual world. Most people understand that, uh, right? Because they've, they've, they've played games or they've had their, they've seen their kids playing games like that. I think the, the point that like, I think the blockchain element clicks for people is when you say, well, instead of a company owning that world, you can own that world or you can own a piece of that world or like you, you know, the community owns it and governs it and makes decisions as to the future of the game. Um, so all the value that's generated in that economy you think of like it's it is helpful when they have some kind of analogy if they're you know if someone's kids play roblox for example uh or minecraft or something like that you can say like there's this bustling economy they've seen they've probably even paid for assets in those games will now you know that economy can be owned partially 
by you as, as an individual. And that seems to be the, the best way to describe it right now <laughs> um, without getting too, too sci-fi or too abstract on people. Yeah, no, for sure. That, that's definitely a, a pretty easy to understand explanation. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, Facebook and Meta entering this, this metaverse space? Yeah, definitely. You know, we've talked about it a lot, obviously, internally and with other, you know, metaverse uh, projects. And my opinion is, this is fine. Like, they're actually going to do a lot of the heavy lifting. They're they're educating potentially billions of people on the idea of virtual world and the term the metaverse. Um, they're going to get people acclimated and accustomed to it. And my hope is that you know the blockchain-based metaverse and virtual worlds will have such greater incentives than Facebook's uh, virtual world that they won't even be able to compete. So hopefully they'll sort of onboard everyone to the idea of a metaverse, but the blockchain ones will prevail because there'll just be such greater opportunity uh, for them to earn and to profit and do, you know, probably all kinds of other things and socialize and play and, and work and you name it. Yeah, no, for sure. That, that does make a lot of sense. Um, you guys raised a, your first round of funding for Parcel. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear your journey on, on how that was and, and how your experience raising the funding was. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we raised, yeah, we raised over the summer. You know, we, we knew we had kind of a good thing going, but obviously we needed to scale the team. Uh, so we, um, you know, Ian was, was building away on, on the product and I, I put together a deck over a couple of weeks and I got some good advice uh, from a friend who's, who's just like, you know, don't, don't drag it out. Just, just say you're doing this in two weeks, tell everyone you're, you're wrapping it up in two weeks and, and just do it. Um, which is great advice because it, it easily could drag on for a long time. And we just started blasting out and through every, you know, every which way, you know, warm referrals, colds, emails, friends of friends, like you name it. Um, we just started pushing it out there. And what we found was actually, I think every investor who ended up uh, participating in the round was referred by a different investor. And many of those ended up passing. So it's not, you know, it's not always bad. Um, if, like, if you get passed on by an investor, it just means you're not the right fit for, for them or their thesis or their fund or what stage you're at, but they all know, you know, investors are uh, closely knit and they often refer projects along to their friends. So that was quite kind of an interesting learning. Um, and otherwise, yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we managed to find some really great people who have supported us in kind of in different ways through whether it's through like publicity or recruitment or um, making other connections within the industry. Uh, so yeah, they, they, they've been a great asset uh, to us. And, and I think most importantly, we were able to scale up the team and, and the business and 
now we're up to six full-time handful of part-time and still growing um, pretty quickly. Uh, really cool. I, I like the learnings you, you got out of that. I think those are quite interesting for, for people to know. Yeah. Yeah. And as a first time, really as like the first time successful fundraiser, I tried unsuccessfully in the past. Um, it was all new and every day was scary or nerve wracking or exciting. Um, but um, so, yeah, you know, whatever wisdom I, I can pass on to other founders going through the fundraising process, uh, very happy to. Oh, that's great to hear. Um, finally, what, what's a secret obsession of yours that not many people know about? <laughs> um, good question. Um, well, I think my close friends and family probably know because I was screaming about it. But like during COVID, I got very into like the whole alien and like UFO thing. And um, I don't want to say full on conspiracy theorists, but there are certain things that I find very uh, <laughs> compelling, <laughs> like such as the existence of, of aliens or, or UFOs. Um, so, yeah, that's something I, I don't uh, necessarily tell everyone <laughs> upon first meeting, but um, I am I have kind of become a, a believer. That's a good one. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you think about just uh, just the probability, right? It's uh, we're, it's almost a 0% chance that, that we are alone in the universe and also probably 0% chance that we're the most intelligent in the universe. So. And, yeah. and the, the, the US government has acknowledged there are things they can't identify in the sky. So put two and two together. Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> um, and, and finally, can you tell us where, where we can find you um, online and, and in the metaverse? Yeah, definitely. So on Twitter, we're meetparcel, M-E-E-T-P-A-R-C-E-L. That's also our website, meetparcel.com. Um, from there, you should be able to link out to everything. So we have Discord, which is pretty active, um, a weekly virtual real estate weekly newsletter, uh, which we've been having a lot of fun with. It's only about three weeks old. And um, some get, we're starting some giveaways as well that you can find through those social channels. So definitely check those out. Personally, I'm Noah Gaynor uh, on Twitter, N-O-A-H-G-A-Y-N-O-R. And um, my co-founder is Rumak, Ian. He's R-O-M-A-K-D-O-T-E-T-H, so Rumak uh, on Twitter. He's, he's the more uh, creative and, and interesting one to follow, for sure. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll have all those links um, as well in, in the transcript. Um, but thanks for jumping on, Noah. It was great talking to you about Parcel and, and your thoughts on, on virtual real estate. Um, super enlightening. Thanks, Austin. This is great and hope to uh, see you at a conference soon.